Right now, new and returning vidIQ customers can buy one month of vidIQ and get the second month free. This offer is going on until July 31st and can be used towards a purchase of either a pro or boost level account. All you have to do is visit vidIQ.com bonus. If you've been looking to unlock our full suite of tools, now is a great time. You have until July 31st, vidIQ.com bonus. As people build their presence on YouTube, they tend to want to invest in the channel and invest in themselves. For a lot of creators, this is in the form of a new microphone or a nice fancy camera and some new lights. Upgrading your channel is a topic that comes up quite a bit. And today, that's just one of the things we'll be discussing with our guests. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tube Talk podcast. I am Dan Carson, joined once again by Mr. Rob Wilson. Hello, Dan. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I am fantastic, and I'm looking forward to what may be a very visual podcast in that you may be having to close your eyes and imagine all of the wonderful cameras and lighting that we may be talking about. I'm even doing it right now just to get into the mood. <laughs> yeah, uh, incidentally, doing podcasts, we end up on video, even though this is not a video podcast. And so we all get these nice visuals and everyone out there listening gets to just imagine. So, so we have to remember when we talk about certain products, when we, there's no point in holding them up to the camera because that's just not going to translate very well to earphones. Well, our guests today will probably want to talk about some products and, and now won't be able to hold them up to the camera. We are joined by Ben and Michaela Johnson. Welcome. Hello. Hey, thanks everybody. for having us. Super excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show with us. We're really excited to have you. And uh, let's just get started by telling everybody a little bit about you guys, your channel, and uh, how it all started. Yeah, so um, our channel is really focused on helping aspiring creatives and up-and-coming YouTubers. So we like to talk through ways that they can level up their content and really do some things to help stand out and boost their production value and ultimately just communicate what they need to their target audiences. And so I would say that we got started officially on YouTube just about a year ago, just over a year ago, about April 2020. So that's really when we started the channel. Prior to that, I've been running my own, well, together we've been running our creative business since 2015 full-time. So you've you've been at it basically full-time for a year, if I understand right? Full-time on YouTube. Uh, well, as far as we started, we published our first video for the channel really a year ago on YouTube. What kind of growth have you seen? You, you have quite a few subscribers now. Yeah, so we've been able to grow the channel to 74,000 subscribers, which is pretty awesome. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't expect it. Um, of course, you hope for that, but it's been cool to see the results. So you're going to hit 100K probably by the end of the year, I would imagine, easily. Hopefully. Hope Hopefully. So. <laughs> that would be awesome if we, if we did. You know, we're, we're hoping. <laughs> we're looking at a wall right now behind Meta Michaela, and I'm seeing a silver play button being lit with a little yes. spot right, on, <laughs> yes. right in the middle. Yeah. That, that means it's own separate lighting, I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ben and Michaela, I do have a question which is prompted by when you say you started your channel, which was essentially a little after the, the pandemic hit. So, And I, I call creators such as yourselves, and correct me if I'm wrong, but quarantine creators in that you know, maybe you weren't able to do what you do regularly in the world and with all of the time available at home, 
one of those things was to start a YouTube channel. Would I be accurate in that or uh, am I jumping to conclusions? Yes, that's 100% accurate. So your channel is about creatives, which is pretty broad. Tell us about, because I've seen obviously uh, some of your videos now, uh, so I kind of know what the channel is about by looking at it. But for somebody who doesn't, tell us a little bit about what they can expect to find. And I'm also interested in what the largest segment of your audience is in, uh, is in interested in, because you do cover, uh, I would say, a lot of topics. With us having only been doing this for a year, I think ultimately we have a good understanding of kind of what we want to do, but it's also us figuring out what are people responding to and, you know, what's kind of working and narrowing it down a little bit as we go. Ultimately, you know, the channel is about, I I do reviews, tutorials, behind the scenes content, and we'll do podcast chats where we just talk about tips for creating better content, uh, which is for YouTubers, but it also can be for photographers and filmmakers. Because ultimately, that's what I've been doing for the past five years is filmmaking specifically pretty heavily. We run a, a wedding business and a social media agency. And so we have a lot of experience in a kind of wide variety of content that we've made. And so I'm just trying to take that information and basically channel it into helpful tips and resources for people that are just trying to create better content on really whatever it is that they're doing. So whether that's upgrading their lighting or their audio or, you know, learning about some of the newest, you know, equipment that's available, what might be good for them. I I would say I mainly talk to people that are, well, we, we mainly would address people that are kind of like getting into it and seeking guidance rather than people that have been longtime professionals. People who are kind of just getting started with their, with their journey. Yeah. And I would say the reason why is because I was that person, right? So I went through this journey in 2015. I decided to start my own business. I wanted to do filmmaking and photography, and I went to YouTube as my resource. And so I've seen all the tutorials out there. You know, I've watched all of the different stuff. And I also found gaps where it was like, ah, I didn't quite understand this and stuff that I've learned along the way too. So I'm just trying to like, you know, take these lessons that I've learned and this stuff that I've learned that maybe I found difficult at times, maybe there wasn't a lot out there and just simplify it and make it really easy for people. I think that's one of the things I'm passionate about personally. Was there an educational slash professional background there before 2015? Or would you describe yourself as completely self-taught via YouTube? And now you are a an educator on YouTube of the things you've learned in the past five years? It's So I did go to, uh, that's an interesting thing. I went to college, just a local community college, right? And so I tried to do like the film program there and stuff like that. And ultimately it was super dated. Like we were learning how to log tapes and like, I just felt like I was kind of wasting my time there. And so what I did instead (laughs) was... It was one of the modules VHS versus Betamax, which we choose. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. It it was just very, very dated. But I would say one of the major things that helped me was I got connected with people in the field. So what I started doing was kind of putting myself out there. And I was like, hey, if you need a second shooter for weddings or an assistant for projects. So I was taught hands-on through what I would consider almost mentors uh, over the years, kind of getting to learn stuff from their businesses directly, as well as what I was learning on YouTube, and then also just my own client experiences. So you've, uh, you're really well equipped to <laughs> pass these questions ah, along. Nice one, done. Nice one. Uh, well, well <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> I, I want to I, I know, just thinking about this, this audience of creators who's, who's kind of just coming up, 
because we at vidIQ we we also end up catering to that audience a lot as well. We talk to people all the time who are who are starting out who have a lot of questions. There's a couple different conversations we could have about that. Coming from the the perspective of gear and things like that, obviously we tell people don't drop a whole bunch of money on a really expensive setup. You can do a lot on YouTube with just a phone. So let's start there. What is your biggest tip for somebody who just has that? They just have a phone and they're trying to create nice content as nice as they can get it with a phone. Our biggest thing that we tell people all the time is just to start, like to not let your gear or your lack of gear limit you. You know, the cool thing for us is that we started YouTube when we already had a photo video company. So we had this great gear from all of our client work. But for people who don't have that, we literally just tell them, like, just start, you know, learn what you can about the the equipment that you have, the lighting that you that you currently have accessible to you, um, your phone, your camera, the audio and learn how to work it in post as well to make it as good as you can do it. But don't let that be the reason that you don't start something. Yeah. And I would, I would also say like when I started my business, I had a very budget DSLR. That's what I built my business on. It was, you know, probably $300 camera, you know, and it got me in the door to start doing some stuff. And so the biggest thing is like learning the skill and kind of like the technical stuff behind it. Like even with a phone, you can download an app where you can start to learn some manual settings and unlock the most out of it. Right. So like, I think that there's a lot of ways that people can take what they have and learn because honestly, the phones nowadays are better than that camera was years ago. So, you know, there's so much, all that to say, there's no excuses really. If you have a phone or if you have a friend that has a phone that you could borrow once a week or whatever, like you can make content and ultimately prioritize that. Yeah. And you can always learn good technique as well. Like you can learn to not shoot in a really dark room with a camera that doesn't have a great sensor. Like you can learn to not do those things and you can learn how to work it to your advantage. So yeah, that's what it is. I got to then ask, if you're somebody who's used a phone for a while, you're starting to build a channel and now maybe you saved some money, maybe you got some money from the partnership program, whatever it is. Let's say you have a thousand bucks and you're, you're creating a small budget. What's the first thing you would tell people to buy slash upgrade for their channel? Audio would probably be my recommendation, mainly because... At the end of the day, video is half audio, and that's an instant upgrade to 50% of your content. And most of the time, if, if people can hear clearly what you're saying, especially, and it would depend, to, this is something to preface this with, it kind of depends a little bit on what type of channel you have. I think across the board, though, a general rule would be to upgrade your audio so people can just clearly understand if you're teaching or if you're sharing information um, or, you know, tutorials, reviews on products, good audio is is key. Do you have any uh, general recommendations which we can't hold up to the camera hmm. um, because it's a podcast? Um, <laughs> for example, I'm using the a black Blue Yeti, which I think is perfectly fine connected to a computer. I use a Rode Video Micro or have done in the past for my cameras, but let's just shout out some recommendations for people to maybe... Those are... Those are great, absolutely great recommendations for sure. It, it all just depends on sort of your your level of how much you want to invest in it. But honestly, a lot of times you don't really need to go too much beyond that. You know, there's the the Rode NT USB. That's another great option for just a nice USB microphone. Um, if you want to get into these are these microphones we're using right now. $60 microphone that I found on Amazon running mm-hmm. into a more expensive Zoom H6 audio interface. But 
you know, these are getting the job done for us. We do our podcasts on these. It comes with the full, you guys can't see it, but it has a full articulating arm that clamps to a table, XLR cable included with the mic for like $60. I think the brand is called Uhuru or something like that. But all that to say, you don't need to get crazy, crazy Sennheiser, whatever (laughs) brand for your microphones. You can get something and put it close to your face and it will be a big improvement. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's back to technique again, isn't it? It's not necessarily yes. the, the quality of a microphone. It's how close you can get it to your vocal cords with it still being off frame a little bit, which is something right. I, it took me about 18 months to learn how to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And in the end, my solution was to buy a, a garden wire from Dollarama <laughs> or the Dollar Tree, whatever it's called in the US, and then just dangle a, a, a lightweight microphone just above so like the the the, the microphone would be here and then i just move the camera so it was about there again yeah. I'm, I'm doing this visually and nobody can see what i'm doing i do apologize <laughs> no no yeah that's that's to- totally makes a ton of sense and and like you said it is certainly the technique so you could have the best microphone in the world but if you go outside and try to record yourself on a super windy day out in the open in a noisy street area it's going to sound awful but if you're able to use a cheap microphone inside of a room and you know maybe even take some intentionality if you have a very echoey space use some things like you know acoustic blankets or even just sheets lay them around kind of barricade yourself you're going to create a much better audio sound just doing simple things like that that with household items all i want to do now is just create a pillar fault and just sit in there (laughs) (laughs) for voiceovers it works wonders You know what works really well for voiceovers too is literally like a closet full of clothing. Like if you bring yes. your laptop and your microphone into a closet full of clothes, it's the best soundproofing you'll ever have in a house. Yes, yeah, so we have a, a picture friend... of that for our Instagram account, Dan, and we can post it there, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, Me... a friend, a friend, a YouTuber friend of mine did that. <laughs> he showed that in one of his videos where he's just standing in his closet full of clothes, and it, it was funny. But it it, do, it does actually work. So uh, if you guys are rocking on a budget, try it. So I know somebody who started a fishing channel and they started using a GoPro. That was their whole, that was, that was what they built the channel on. And their microphone solution was to literally, and I bring this up because you said it before, if you get close enough to it, doesn't you don't need a super expensive microphone. And that was what they did. They just got a wide angle on the GoPro and got as close to yeah. it as they could. So the audio would be good. And, yeah. it, you know, it, it just, it, you'd be surprised at what you can pull off. Absolutely. I, I want to ask about cameras, though, and maybe GoPro would be your answer here. But if if this fictional person with like a thousand dollar budget does buy the sixty dollar microphone you recommend on Amazon, for example, and maybe a couple other peripherals, they have some money left over. What's a good my first camera, you know, in the maybe five hundred dollar range? And then if you know something even it's, that's cheaper. Right. So that this is a super interesting question to me in 2021 when you have such good mobile devices. So to me, the margin between getting a sub $500 camera versus just using a phone can be a little much like, is it enough? Is it enough of a change to get into it versus just having the convenience of the phone? So I I have mixed feelings about this. You know, there's, there is a particular product, the Canon M50. That's a very popular camera. Yeah. Um, I'm on the fence about whether to buy that right now. Yeah. So my, my thing is if you can maybe hold off, keep honing your skills, you know, to this fictional person that we're talking to keep honing your skills, getting the most out of what you have. And then maybe when you have a little bit more money, invest and also a little bit more skill and knowledge uh invest in something like a sony zv1 i think that would be 
a big enough leap where you're getting into 4K territory. You have a nice slip out screen, a ton of features, customizations. Uh, it's great for a wide variety of things. That would be my best value camera for creators when they get to that level. That will really be a nice significant step up from a phone. So you believe a Sony ZV-1 is better than the Canon M50? I do, yeah. I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the reason I ask, uh, I think we've had this exact same conversation in another podcast, but I bought a ZV-1 and it failed me on live streams wherever it kept, the battery kept just kicking out. And then I realized when I attached it to tripods, the SD card slot release was blocked right. by the tripod. So something as practical as that was just a deal breaker for me. So I had to return yeah. it. So I'm still use the Panasonic G7, which is five years old, and I like it. But I'm thinking, is it time to upgrade? So, so my I have answers to those solutions. So I, I when I when the Sony ZV-1 came out, I I wrote it off. I was like, I don't. This is not good. The lens isn't wide enough. There's issues with the cage mount or with the the tripod mount. But there's been third party solutions that are very affordable that have come out since then that solved those issues. There's been really nice cages that fix the tri- the battery door issue, as well as a wide angle option that makes this very, very nice. Um, I'm actually using the ZV-1 right now <laughs> to film with, right on this, on this. You guys can't see it listening, but. Is that an um, adaptive end that you've attached to it? Like, yes, and it's it, it, right. $50 adapter yeah. s- screws onto the top and you can unscrew half of it to make it macro. So it takes this 24 to 70 focal length and makes it closer to like a 17 at the wide. But the reason it's interesting is because it's 1.8 aperture, which for those of you who don't know, that's just going to give you a lot more light and depth. I tried vlogging with it the other day and I was hard pressed to see the difference with even my Sony a7 III, which is my main camera. So, you know, as a budget all in one type solution, uh, it's a great option. Again, Going with a full mirrorless option is more expensive, buying multiple lenses, all that stuff. So this is sort of that bridge between. I will say for the ZV-1 as well, um, we did buy extra batteries and a charger in addition. And then like for this particular day, we have it hard plugged so that it just stays on. So I know the battery life is not as great as like an A7 III or something like that, but you can buy multiple batteries for it, which for a live stream is challenging, obviously. But if you can hard plug it and you can plug it into a wall... That kind of helps. Yeah, and that's getting really camera specific. But I think, like, yeah. in, in the in the at the end of it, like, uh, I think it, phones are still great until you if you want to go f- all in and go for like a really really more expensive setup. I would definitely look to mirrorless, uh, whether Canon or Sony, even Fuji. You know, there's some great options, Panasonic. But you know, the mirrorless systems nowadays, I think, offer a lot of great uh, solutions in, to get professional level in a more compact setup. I think that's also an interesting uh, debate in itself in that you'll go onto YouTube and search for best DSLR camera or best live streaming camera, and you'll recommend a certain camera. Think Media might recommend a certain other camera. And then I will try both of them. And when I say I, like the, the user will try both of them. And just neither of those will be the right fit, but then they'll find another camera, which is a perfect fit for them. So, for example, like I say, I'm using the Panasonic G7 because it works through a DC coupler, never have to worry about batteries. Other than the autofocus, which is really slow, it's just been super reliable for me for years. But I know that you know, you've, you've chosen the ZV-1, and Dan, what camera are you using right now? We all have uh, our own personal preferences within the realm of video making. 
using the Canon 90D. Right. So right. I, okay. I, wa- I wanted something that was going to be possible to, and, and uh, it's worth noting, I started the company pre-COVID. I wanted something that was going to be possible to take to conventions and stuff that had a lot of different options so we could get some really cool behind-the-scenes footage and, and then also have a, a nice workhorse for making YouTube videos, doing live streams, so I had to get it hardwired. Uh, then the pandemic hit, and now it's just become a n- really, really nice webcam. <laughs> yeah, and, and but that's that's a great thing to think about is what are your needs currently? Yeah. And then think over the course of the next year, what do you anticipate your needs being, right? So that kind of goes across like when you're searching for gear that you're wanting to do, like you could get the the best camera that could there could be for live streaming. But if you also want to vlog, maybe it's not going to be the best solution for that or vice versa. So, you know, just kind of think about what are your needs? What do you anticipate your needs being? What type of videos are you wanting to do over the course of the next year or two? Um, and consider that stuff when you're looking for the camera that's right for you. Not only the camera, but uh, that that was a very technical conversation. But one other takeaway I'd like people to walk away with is don't discount the fact that there are entire companies built on making accessories and peripherals for cameras to solve problems, just like the one Rob outlined. You know, there's a lot of different stuff you can get to make your life a little bit easier when when shooting as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I've definitely factored that into your list of needs. Perhaps you need something that's going to help you uh, record smoothly because you're vlogging all the time. So, uh, you know, uh, a handle with the swiveling. Uh, now, you know, I used to know what's the word I'm thinking of? Swivel like head? A ball, a ball head mount? Uh, like a stabilizer? It's still great. Thank you. Stabilizer. Uh, yeah. It. Stabilizer. <laughs> Yes, there. That's really important for people who are out and about and vlogging, and you know, there's all kinds of accessories you can get. And that's also to say, it gets very, very expensive very quickly. <laughs> yes, it does. And, and you know, I think that's the the great thing about all this stuff is, you know, you certainly don't need to buy everything at once. You know, that's stuff that you can kind of gradually add on over time and work towards as your needs change. Because ultimately. I find myself, you know, I, I'm here, I have a, a more expensive mirrorless camera and I just picked up a smaller point and shoot camera to experiment with some vlogs, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, you're always sort of like looking and expanding and looking at different types of gear. And sometimes it's okay to almost go backwards a little bit if it fits, you know, what you're trying to do better. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's channel audit tool, a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing. When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on channel audit will give you a bird's eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, We've talked a lot about gear i keep i keep making puns and silly <laughs> rhymes and I'm, I'm so sorry. talking about gears yes <laughs> i apologize i'm not doing that on purpose i swear uh but i want to talk a little bit about growing an audience in general someone listening this is uh, this is all great but i'm still trying to do that part what would be let's just start with like the, your top tips for somebody who's just getting started on youtube what should they be doing uh to begin growing an audience uh they should definitely be posting consistently uh as consistently as they can i think that 
like there's people don't really know like like I'm gonna oh I have one video idea I'm just gonna put it out there like that's great but if you're not gonna post another video for two months your audience that was interested in your first video has completely forgotten about you and the honestly like the more consistently that you can put out content the more likely people are going to find you and the more likely YouTube is going to favor you uh, and so it's not always best to push out all of the content that you have and all of the ideas that you have in one week just because you have seven ideas doesn't mean you need to post every single day for a week and then not post for two months. Sometimes you need to spread it out and be consistent. I think that's been huge. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is to add value. So it's going to be not just the consistency, but the the content itself right. ultimately is going to be what matters. And so like, why, why should some, why should so-and-so subscribe to your channel? Right? Like if you're making a channel about whatever it is that you're doing, what is in it for them? You know, because when they just subscribe for you, that's that's more for you. It kind of boosts your audience, your following, your influence. But what is what value do they get out of it? You know, because ultimately that's kind of what's going to yeah. be the the difference. And yeah, I think the consistency is huge with that. And it's it's more than just like you almost have to develop with YouTube and really business in general a lifestyle of it. So it's like this is not a one and done. This is not a six month spree. It's like, I'm trying to devote, you know, anybody who wants to grow an audience should try to devote like, okay, this is now every week we're doing this, you know, every, every couple of days we're doing a video or whatever, and it becomes more of a lifestyle. And so you got to be passionate about it. Uh, and you got to focus on adding value to the viewer. Well, I've always subscribed to that theory of, of YouTube becoming a lifestyle. I've never actually found myself giving that as advice is what I'm just realizing now. And that's fantastic advice. Because that's exactly what it what it takes. Mm -hmm. If if you're going to start YouTube, it's it's worth noting you're not going to have a business out of the gate. It's not going to be this thing that right. pays the bills. You have to treat it as such anyway. Yes. And I think to me, that's always been like the thing that's that's really a, maybe for a lot of people a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that was definitely from the get go. Uh, well, let me let me preface this earlier. I you know I said we started YouTube you know a year ago, right? Uh, quarantine YouTuber, all that stuff. I wanted to start YouTube three years ago and I didn't because I was afraid <laughs> and I wasn't ready to make that commitment to it, I guess. And I was just nervous about all kinds of stuff, playing the comparison game as we often do. But it wasn't until when I, when I did finally decide to start, I think it kind of came down to like, okay, we have one, one shot at this. Like, let's go for this all in, you know, it's like, I didn't want to just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to post a video and see what happens. It was like, no, I'm going to give this, I'm going to treat this as if, if we're there, like as if we're already YouTubers, I even went to my Instagram bio and changed it to say YouTuber because I wanted some sort of, uh, uh accountability, <laughs> you know, to, to kind of uphold it to, you know, for whatever that's worth. But yeah, we really did try to treat it like, okay, we're going to do this as if we're full time. Now, granted, we were in quarantine time. So we kind of had the time to do that. And there is the reality that some people don't have all that time. But ultimately, if it's important to you, prioritize it. You Listen. are a YouTuber. If you say you're a YouTuber is, I think the biggest takeaway someone could get from that. And if you post on YouTube, yes. Well, right. You should probably do that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it, was there a light bulb moment in these past 12 months when it started to click, when you suddenly realized, oh, we're figuring this out here and we're actually growing a, a community. This is something that's going to start taking off and actually become, you know, you, you, you always plan for it to be a business, but in the beginning, 
it isn't technically a business because it's not financially sustaining you. So any light bulb moments on the journey so far? Uh, I know we had like one video that had been up for two or three months and then all of a sudden just started taking off. And when that video started taking off, I think Ben and I were both like, oh, this can happen. Like, oh, this is real. This is like a real possibility for us. So now that like, and that was, it was one of our first videos that we had posted. And as soon as that happened, we're like, oh, now we're like, we were serious before, but now we're really serious because this could actually, this if if we dedicate enough time to this, if we prioritize this enough, this could potentially be what we want it to be. We can be full-time YouTubers. And this is, this is exciting to us. This is fulfilling to us. Yeah. And I, I think it definitely... It's such a it's such a little bit of a gray area sometimes, but when you you know, there's a lot of um, I get a lot out of just seeing people find value from it. Yeah. You know, people will message all the time and just be like, you know, thank you, you know, you helped me with this, and I think I find a lot of value with it. Now, don't put your worth in that because the comments can go south real quick, and we've definitely <laughs> had our fair share of that. But um, you know, ultimately, that is something that does you know we find some fulfillment in is being able to help people through it. And so, other advice in this whole thing is like if your why for doing YouTube is just to get rich quick or, you know, to grow, get, get famous or whatever it is, it's like, that's not a good enough reason to sustain you when it's not happening or when it goes South. So really kind of get deep a little bit and think about why beyond just like, you know, uh, a following or financial stuff, like what, why do I want to do this? Do I actually enjoy it? Does it bring joy to my life? You know, does it, what what about it do you like? Yeah, because- and I will say that we um we try really hard to respond to every comment on the videos and it's it was really cool when we started to see the same names come back over and over again and that's when you really realize like I'm not just gaining random subscribers here and there but like these these people who are consistently here they care and and like they're valuing what we're giving them and I think that you kind of feel a little bit responsible for that. And it almost makes you want to put out better content uh, every time because you want to make sure that that person who you know watches every video is really going to love it. And it's kind of cool to see that community get built like that. That's always a really cool feeling to start seeing the names, you know, even with channels like our channels getting close to a million subscribers and you still see people in the community, especially people who show up to live streams. Uh, So just a quick shout out to everybody who, who is, you know, supportive in that way. Because it does not go unrecognized by the people, you know, behind the camera, uh, or I guess in front of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I guess on YouTube it's both. Yes. Uh, so true. Shifting gears yet again, uh, another big struggle that we see, and I think all of us can relate to, is coming up with new content ideas. And uh, I know this is something uh, you guys talk about. What What are some of your tips for keeping people motivated and, and coming up with new ideas? I think we try to again pay attention to the questions that people are asking. I know a lot of like, in the beginning, it's hard because people aren't necessarily specifically asking you a question. But once you even have a little bit of a following, ask people to give you feedback, ask people what they want to know, what are they interested in? And we've gotten a lot of video ideas that way. Yeah, that's super true. And that's such an interesting question. I I feel like I'm able to like, come up with ideas a lot of times. I don't know if they're always like the best ideas though. So (laughs) talking to Michaela definitely helps with that. She'll help me kind of narrow down my ideas, but I just try to be like really, um, I guess just, just try to keep staying relevant to, to adding value to the audience. That's been our main focus is just like, I could make a video about this, but would it be more valuable if instead I made a video about this other thing, because it's going to help 
so-and-so or whatever, you know, so I think that can kind of help steer the direction of the channel and ultimately help you narrow down your niche as well. Because again, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning, I'm sort of still kind of broad with my channel, but I am trying to keep finding the focus (laughs) just by, you know, listening to the needs of the community. That's something I want to actually ask you about, Ben. I sorted your channel by most popular and it feels as if you have a particular strength with lighting videos. Uh, on on your channel. Now, for some creators, that can become a bit of a frustration because it's like your audience and YouTube is suggesting to you that you should do more lighting videos because that's what your audience watches most. But you you still have quite a diverse range of content. So I'm just wondering, you know, the the, the pros and cons of, of of finding a specific niche and becoming maybe the master of something when maybe you want to be recognised more as a a filmmaker rather than a lighting expert, maybe is the best way I could put that. Yeah, no, I think that's super true. I think that's something that we're still trying to figure out. I, I, I guess ultimately I know where I can add more value um, right. as far as with the lighting videos. Yes, I can do those and I can do those all day. But I also know other ways that I think people can find value if they stumble upon the channel as well. And so I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that I'm able to share some of that stuff too, like, you know, editing tips or, and what I think about this as is for my channel, the way I've been thinking about it is rather than viewing myself as the lighting guy, I'm trying to view it as the light video is sort of the way that the people found my channel, you know, and, yes. and, and why did they find it? Because they ultimately, the main one that grew, that grew, that has over a million views is lighting for YouTube videos. So that gets me thinking. Why does someone want to light their YouTube videos? Because they want to succeed and grow on YouTube. What are some other ways they can do that? Better editing, a nice YouTube intro, better audio, good techniques for strategy, right? So I'm trying to answer these other problems that are the root issue of why someone would want to get good lighting for their YouTube video. You know, So that's sort of my thought process into the content that I'm making, which actually did help me narrow it down a little bit because rather than just talking to the masses of a photographer or filmmaker, I'm now sort of shifting gears to focus on the aspiring YouTuber Mm -hmm. uh, as far as who my audience is, because I feel like ultimately that's who has been finding my channel. It's a pretty large uh, base of people, I would say, too, because YouTube's just so accessible. It's anyone can make a channel and there's a lot of interest there and you can make a channel about anything. So... (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that's what I try to keep in mind. Like when I do my, even with my original lighting video, I wasn't trying to talk to people as if they were filmmakers. You know, like if you actually watch it, it's just talking about lighting. And I'm I'm picturing I'm talking to someone making a cooking video. I'm picturing I'm talking to somebody, you know, making a review on you know a a bike, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, so it's just like, can they apply these techniques that we're teaching across the board to just good practice for better videos? Depending on the situation, the the techniques change a little bit, but at their core, it comes to this stuff, it's something anyone, depend, regardless of what kind of channel, I mean, unless you're a gaming channel, you're recording, you're doing screen capture stuff. Uh, other than that, uh, lighting, all this stuff comes into play, and, and that there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I think, I mean, even getting down to, well, even with gaming, you know, most of the popular streamers stream with a face picture that they light well. True. You know, uh, you think of, you know, people like Ninja, they had Red Bull come, you know, just absolutely deck out their streaming setup with a ton of cool lights and stuff. So I think it does apply to a lot of stuff. You know, lighting is in art, lighting is in graphic design, lighting is in everything we do. 
And so I think it's it's cool to it's interesting because YouTube's kind of sh- sending me a, a broad audience to work with from that, which I'm, I'm thankful for. But, you know, we're still trying to figure out, like, how can we best help them with our content and stay true to what we love doing and what we're actually, you know, knowledgeable in. So with all of this talk so far, we've talked about gear. We've talked about coming up with new content ideas and different ways you can improve your content. One thing we haven't addressed, though, is uh, burnout. Mm, yeah. What <laughs> What are your tips for that? Because that has to be something that comes up quite a bit, especially in the space. I I know it comes up for us all the time. It's tough. It's really tough, you know, like dealing with that and dealing with like, especially I feel like creatives just once they get an idea, they run with it and they give it everything that they have. And then they have zero ideas and they're drained for a really long time. And I honestly, like, it's something that we kind of have to remember how to deal with that pretty consistently to make sure that we're staying on top of our game. Uh, and I think like we try to always have a good community of people around us that can, uh, tell us when maybe we're like pushing too hard. Hey, you've been working for four days straight and zero breaks. You're barely sleeping. You need to like take a break for a second so you don't get burned out. Uh, and then also just to encourage you, I think that that's been a huge thing for us. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this stuff. I, you know, there's a common theme in American culture that, you know, just constantly says, you know, hustle hard and like do all this stuff, you know, work yourself to the bone. I don't subscribe to that. You know, I think that, um, you know, it's good to work hard and have a good work ethic, but it's also good to like have a good balanced life because at the end of the day, I don't want to like get into a habit of working myself to the bone and then have to maintain that to continue to grow or succeed. And so it's like, I want to make sure that yes, we are, working hard at what we're doing, but we're also allowing time to rest because it's in that time of rest and empty space where you get new ideas. So there's a lot of um, something as simple as taking time to go and actually just watch YouTube for fun, you know, like not, not for any other reason, but just to enjoy it, you know, or like, like when's the last time you've done that, right? Like what, what are you doing for fun to kind of refresh yourself? Because it's when you're feeling refreshed that you're actually the most productive, not when you're, running on on empty. Yeah. And I will say too, like there's other things in life that you're going to value as well. Like you don't only value YouTube. There's going to be other things like for us, it's like, well, we're married. So if YouTube starts to take priority way above our marriage, then we've got things out of whack and out of balance. So it's kind of like if, especially if you're like an aspiring YouTuber, somebody who still is working a nine to five job and you've got a family and, and then you're doing YouTube, it's like, it's important to push. It's important to film and get content out there. But don't forget what's important in the grand scheme of life as well. And don't let because those are the people that are going to be there for you and kind of support you. And I think that that's something we've continued to try to remember is like, okay, what else matters in my life? I love YouTube. I want YouTube to be my thing. But there's other things that exist, too. Uh, And just remembering to keep those things important as well. Yeah. And and ultimately, it's it just goes back to that. Why? It's like, why do you want YouTube to be the thing? Yeah, because it's again, if your motives are. I want to get, you know, ultimately like super rich and I want to, you know, get super famous and all this stuff. It's like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, like for us, like we just want to be able to enjoy, you know, what it is that we do for our career and let that be a vehicle that helps us enjoy our, our lives, you know? And so I think, you know, as long as we're remembering like, okay, yeah, we're, we're working hard right now, but you know, we're still able to actually enjoy what we're doing because we love this thing. We like making videos. We like helping people and all that stuff. You know, it kind of helps the burnout, you know, not come so quick, I suppose. 
I want to talk a little bit actually about, I guess, the unique support structure you have in place because although the channel is called Ben Johnson, I, we are talking to Ben and Michaela right now. Yes. Uh, so you are clearly a married couple working on this YouTube channel. How does the division of labor work in, in that sense? Because the majority of the time, we're all individual creators. So we're fully accountable for everything we do individually. But for you, there's a bit of a different dynamic there. That's such a good question. <laughs> such a good question. I think we're still figuring out what the kind of division of labor, as you called it, yeah. is. I will say like... When we got married a couple of years ago, but before that, you know, Ben, we were dating, but Ben had his uh, creative businesses and I was working a regular nine to five at an eye doctor's office and I loved doing that. And then we got married and like everything in life changes. And so I basically took over the admin side of all of his creative businesses and I would go and shoot. So everything that I know about photo and video production is because Ben taught me those things, but I do a lot of the organizational and like the numbers and and the data and like the analytics and all of that. Um, and while I'm in some videos as well, I think that the majority of what I do is optimize videos and upload videos and look into topics like what should we be doing? What's scripts. the latest trends, writing scripts and things like that. It is an interesting balance though, like, like being kind of carrying it together. I think it's fun. We enjoy it. So uh, Ben, would, would it be fair to describe you as, I guess, the talent and then we have Michaela, who's like the channel manager, sometimes quasi-production assistant. It's just an interesting, it's just, because it means that you can you can focus on your uh, strengths. Yes. Yeah. I think for a lot of creators, you know, there are certain things that they're not necessarily that good at. Like, I, I feel as if I'm pretty good at uh, editing a video, but I'm still not that great at thumbnails. And so other than outsourcing that to some to someone else, it's everything that all individual creators have to look after, but you kind of got that nice um, balancing out there where, where you can sort of hand off things to each other. Yeah. And I would say it's, it's something we've developed over the past couple of years. Yeah. Like in our, in our job, right. Yeah. You know, but prior to YouTube, you know, I think we kind of like got into a rhythm of, you know, Michaela would pretty much be talking to all the clients and I would pretty much be the one implementing the work and creating it. And I think it's in a way, it's still very similar with YouTube. You know, if we have different sponsors and people reach out, most of the time, Michaela will be kind of handling a lot of the communications. And I'm just over here still focusing on filming videos, editing them and stuff like that. So. It's amazing to me that there are like, I give major props when people don't have like, we only know this, right? Like we haven't done YouTube outside of having each other. And yeah. so to to think of people who do all of it themselves, it's a lot. Like there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot be besides just filming a video and editing a video. Like there's a million things that go into it. So yeah. I think that we're just really, really thankful that we have each other to do it. And, and it's nice because we're able to push each other. Like there's days when I'm not feeling great about it. And then Ben's like, no, this is going to be awesome. And then there's days when it's, it's vice versa. So it's nice to have that support system. Yeah. You, you have an unfair advantage because <laughs> yeah. you do I don't want to put it like that, Dan, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, well, yeah, you, you guys ask like, you know, if, if, if you were to ask like, you know, maybe like why our channels grown in the amount of time, it's, it's not me as much as it is, as it is Michaela, you know, I think that she's a huge part of why we're able to kind of do things a little bit faster, go further faster, I suppose. Yeah. I, I certainly don't mean it in any kind of like offensive way. I, I think it's cool because there are channels that, 
even at the the level you are at, they wait till they're in the several hundreds of thousands of subscribers before they hire somebody to join the team and help them with an aspect of content creation. Yeah. And the two of you getting to team up like this on this channel is an unfair advantage, but one yeah. you should be very excited about, very proud of. Yeah, yeah. we I, love it. And I've gone so like I keep going back and forth. If eventually we should just change the channel to Ben and Michaela, honestly, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see if we get to that point. But uh, I keep, I do keep going back and forth with that. <laughs> some of some of the big struggles, you know, not having not having the right gear, perhaps, you know, how to figure out how to use a phone, uh, burnout. Though these are very common YouTube struggles, I'm just curious. I mean, you only started about a year ago. What were some of the struggles that you guys encountered? I think um, prior to doing YouTube, we have obviously been doing creative projects for a long time, but we had never been putting out this much content this consistently for this long, like ever before. So there definitely were times especially like probably in the fall where we were like, oh my gosh, like we have to come up with another video and like trying to finish a video right before the night before that we're going to post it, like rush, 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 get it out, get it out. So trying to uh, work on the consistency factor and like get just coming up with the ideas like we talked about and then actually executing those ideas was definitely something that we work through Uh, and trying to backlog stuff. Like, you know, if you can create a couple of videos, film two or three videos at once, and then edit them, then you have a couple weeks worth of content. Like that's always good. And that's something that we have. It's kind of like a constant battle, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're still not, you know, we're still learning. Yeah. <laughs> but but the funny thing, and, and that's that's a part of the thing too, for anybody out there listening, like, you know, just realize like all of us are still learning. We're all still yeah. figuring it out, right? Yeah. So wherever it is that you're at in the process, like give yourself some grace and just keep learning. But, you know, I the interesting thing for us is we just because we started it in quarantine, it doesn't mean that like our business stopped. Like we, right. we were still, you know, it still are working on weddings and, you know, uh, some other client work. And so we're trying to juggle, you know, we've switched. So like where that was our main thing and YouTube was like our side hustle. Now we're trying to view YouTube as like our main thing. And we have this other thing that's kind of, we're sort of trying to chip away at kind of let go of some stuff so we can focus more on YouTube. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely still the time management and figuring it all out and it's not easy, but I think like, you know, there's definitely ways to, to make it work. So in the future, the, the ideal situation is YouTube is, is the hundred percent. That's the bread and butter. What do you think your channel looks like a couple of years from now? And hopefully that's the case. That's a good question. I'm trying to what? figure out what would be, <sighs> So I guess like, I think ultimately we're still trying to figure out what, what we're wanting the channel to be. I'm still trying to figure out what I enjoy doing the most, you know, what type of videos do I actually really like? And, you know, I I enjoy parts of all of it, but I think we're still trying to figure that out. I like, I haven't even really tried doing a vlog yet and I'm excited to try it, you know, so we'll see, maybe I do more of that stuff. I don't know, but regardless, we'll still be focusing on, you know, adding value to creatives and, you know, that will kind of be our main priority. How is the, the business uh, going currently in terms of the YouTube channel? And I ask that because obviously AdSense, ad revenue is the first thing that comes to creators' minds. But assuming you are uh, treating YouTube as a business, let's talk about the the other income revenue streams that you're maybe trying to um, maximize at this point. Yeah, I would say AdSense is the one that everybody thinks of. You know, once you can get monetized on YouTube, that's great. So that's obviously one, but it's definitely not the main uh, area that I think people should focus on. You don't really have a ton of 
control over it other than being consistent with your videos. Once you reach those milestones, you qualify. Um, but beyond that, affiliate marketing, I think is huge. You know, it's like the modern day salesman. Uh, we all kind of are recommending products all day long anyways, things that we love. So that one's a really big one. Um, sponsorships, if you can, uh, digital products, physical products, online courses is something that we're trying to dive into probably this year. I think there's a lot of different income and revenue streams that people just don't know about, like that you like can dive into that you can explore. I mean, there's things that we were like, oh, you mean that we could sell a t-shirt and that could be a way that we can make money? Like we never would have thought of that. So uh, yeah, I think there's just lots of different ways and it's a reality, right? Like if you want to go full-time on YouTube, you have to make money on YouTube, um, but it doesn't have to be just AdSense. Yeah. And I, I think like, I know for us, AdSense is like, the lowest end of, you know, all of the things, you know, I think like a lot of people should that. be, it, it should right. be really, shouldn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but, but that's, you know, it, it's funny. We've had to like, you know, have conversations over the past year, just as we're like talking to our friends or, you know, family members kind of explaining to them, like why we're doing yeah. YouTube kind of yeah. like how we're able to do it. And, you know, I would say like a huge way that smaller channels can start really making some significant money, even, even honestly, before you even get monetized is to do affiliate marketing and yeah. to offer some actual like online courses. I think those two options could be great for smaller channels that as you just have those one-on-one interactions in the comments and whatever, like you can start to sell that and, and kind of like see some increase there. Ultimately though, YouTube is a wide range of avenues in the way that you can create income. And it's really maximizing all those income streams, not just relying on one that makes it actually work. Yeah. And I will say too, like we kind of, once we were, once we started making money on YouTube, we kind of talked about the idea, okay, we could actually go full time with YouTube at some point. This could be our main income stream. And this is when we can start really prioritizing that. And I think that for us, we kind of set a goal, right? So we're like, once we can bring in X amount of money for six months straight or whatever, that's when we would feel comfortable knowing our current bills and things like that. That's when we would feel comfortable calling ourselves full-time YouTubers because now this covers. So there's like the practical side of those things too. Like if that's your goal, then you have to know the numbers. You have to know what you need to bring in to be able to make it work. So I think that we did that as well. Do you think your content will ever expand out into this topic as well in that, as you say right now, your channel is to help creatives generally in the, the filming aspect right now, but I'm assuming that's that's maybe an avenue we want to jump into, into teaching people how to uh, yes. use affiliate marketing or create a course um, through YouTube content. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really going to be in some of the uh, very soon, you know, we're going to be ju- diving more into that, that realm of conversation. And just because, again, like the reason I'm trying to like keep it a little broad is, you know, saying we're a resource for creatives is it's not just for the skill, but it's also like the the money side of it and how do you actually make it as a creative, you know, in, in 2021, you know, and like as a YouTuber and all of that stuff as a content creator, whatever type of content you're making, yeah. you know, just actual, we do have the benefit of having run a successful business over the course of the past six years. And so we've yeah. learned some of the, how to handle some of that stuff, deal with clients, you know, income stuff and all of that. So I think we'll be excited to share that knowledge with uh with some people. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of people can go full time with their creative business probably faster than they think that they can. Like yes. I think people can go full time with YouTube sooner than they would guess that they could. Uh they just need they need to know 
the areas that they need that they need to focus on to make it happen. But I definitely think that it's something we'll focus on. Yeah, and I think if people could understand that and know that, it would it would allow them to kind of like push past the oh that will never happen oh that's so far off and be like no actually this can happen you know this this is real like people are actually doing this I could be one of those people you know so we're trying to not not just share the 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 how to but also just inspire a little bit in yeah. people and be like no you can do this if you really really want to. Before we wrap up today, can I can I get one tip out of you in terms of? So you mentioned affiliate marketing. I imagine some channels that don't cover gear, things like that, might might have a different idea of of ways they can make money. What would be your approach if you're brand new at this to approaching somebody and saying, "Hey, like I have this YouTube channel. Why don't you let me promote your product, and then you can pay me for it?" What what is the what is the right way to do that? Because that was definitely not it, what I just said. Yeah, I, I will say like in the beginning, when you have a smaller following, like what start, at least what happened for us is, you know, we signed up for Amazon affiliate. It's like the one that everybody does, which I think most people can use. Most people can find a way to, to use that. But also some companies would reach out to us, some smaller companies to have us just try their product um, and, and do a video on it. And so we would do that, you know, at first, like, oh, this is a cool light. We actually hate it or we love it and we do a video on it. And then eventually, like you've built up enough reputation with other companies that you have uh, something to show. Like if if there's a company now that you want to reach out to, you have a little bit of weight there because you've done things with other companies before you've done like partnerships like that. So I think at first, like even just getting a free product is great. Like that's great to, to, to be able to like, you're not, maybe they're not paying you to do it, but they're sending you something. That's always a great option. Uh, it is a little bit awkward though, when you're like, Hey, can you send me your product and, and give it, give me this and that. Uh, but I think there is a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, when, when, whenever we've done it, we always try to remind them of like, well, not even remind them, but just show them like, Hey, we, what can we do for we, them? Yeah. Like <laughs> explain to them, like why, like we, we would love to to highlight your product to our audience. Cause we, we think it would be a great fit for, for you guys and, and yada, yada. So I think it's sort of the way that you approach it. Yeah. You can't, you can't approach it in like a selfish manner of like, I want your thing because I want to get paid. Like, no, what, why is it going to be valuable for that company to partner with you in any way? And if there's, if you're not going to be able to add any value to them, don't even bother reaching out to them because there's no benefit for them there. And that's not really, I don't think that's like the best way to go about it. I think if you can provide something for them, then it's worth reaching out. Do you have any final thoughts for uh, folks out there? Just, you know, YouTubers that are you know, working, working hard every day. Any, any final thoughts for them? Yeah, I would say, um, don't, don't grow weary of doing good work. You know, I think the, the biggest thing is like, we didn't see great success really on it until at least two, three months after, you know, we posted our video that ended up getting over a million views. And I think, um, focus on evergreen content. I think that would be a good thing to focus on. Like if you're going to prioritize what you're doing, try to do stuff pretty consistently. That's like, this is watchable uh, in the future (laughs) in case, because it's more likely that it will grow over time after you do it versus if you're just covering trending stuff that's happening right now, do that too, but try to focus on doing some consistent evergreen content um, because that's stuff that could take off, you know, even if it's not taking off yet. So it's a good investment to do that versus the trendy stuff. Yeah, YouTube is the long game. Don't long do game. it for instant gratification. It's uh it's definitely for the long haul. Ben and Michaela, thank you so much for joining us on Tube Talk. Do this again soon. Yes. Awesome. Thanks awesome. for having us. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.